Hi everyone and welcome to the Parma podcast. I'm James Prescott, your host. Great to be with you all again. Um, I'm really excited about today's guest. Um, I'm sitting in the office of um, Reverend Nadim Nassar. Um, He is the only Syrian priest in the Church of England. Um, And he's written this incredible book called The Culture of God. Uh, And so today we're going to be hearing his story and hearing a bit about this book. Um, I'm following in some famous footsteps interviewing Nadim today because Prince Edward has interviewed Nadim um, six times. So um, I've got a lot lot to live up to. (laughs) So welcome, um, Nadim. It's great to have you on. Thank you very much, James. Um, Yes, so just tell us a bit of your story and um, your background. Well, first of all, thank you for having me and welcome to the Awareness Foundation. This is the office of the Awareness Foundation. I'm the director of the Awareness Foundation, right. which is a, uh, an educational charity mm. uh, that uh, helps to bridge, build bridges between East and West mm. and um, also dispels ignorance about uh, people in the East and people in the West. Mm. And we try to support the Christian presence in the Middle East. Right. Before the, the war, and in Syria and in Mm -hmm. Iraq. Nobody knew that we even existed. So we we were almost invisible, James. So a Mm -hmm. lot of people used to ask me, and even now, Father, when did you become Christian? Coming from Syria, there is the supposition. They suppose that I was a Muslim and became a Christian. Obviously, yeah. So... It's an easy assumption for some people to make, I suppose. Yes, yes. And and I remember after uh, celebrating Mass one day, a lady shook my hand and said, "Uh, it's so lovely to have an Imam here. And Imam is is a Muslim priest. Right. And (laughs) I I said to her... "Um, Imam, uh, I, uh, sorry, lady, I'm not an imam. There's nothing wrong with that, but I'm not. Uh, I'm a priest. I'm a Christian priest. So she looked at me lovingly, and she said, "Oh, don't worry, it's okay." So <laughs> she was comforting me uh, in case I felt embarrassed that I was an imam in a Christian church. I said, "Lady, I just gave you the Holy Communion. How could I be an imam?" <laughs> so the ignorance is enormous mm. between East and West. And also, uh, when the book was, uh, was out, the subtitle is The, 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 the Syrian Jesus. Mm. So, yeah. And that stirred a little bit of, of uh, discussion because I remember a priest on Twitter uh, wrote to me, no, Jesus was not Syrian. Well, I could have accepted that from a a normal Christian who is not trained to be a priest. But sorry, a priest should have known better. Mm. When you say, no, Jesus was not Syrian, you are exposing your ignorance. Because I always say, every Christmas, James, in every church around the world, We read Luke chapter 2, verse 2, when Corinius was the governor of Syria. Yeah. But nobody stops and mm-hmm. asks, wait a minute, 
Why would Luke say, when Corinius was the governor of Syria, what does Syria have to do with, with the birth of Jesus in Luke? Because Palestine at, at that time was a satellite of Syria. The whole, the whole uh, area was Syria. Hmm. So in the Acts of the Apostles, Paul says, we left Malta and we headed toward Tyre in Syria. Well, now Tyre is not Syria, it's Lebanon. Yeah. So what does that mean? What does that tell us? But unfortunately, you know, people are not aware of that. Yeah, that's right. It's a, yeah, it's a lack of a lack of awareness, and it's actually there. Like you say, it's right in front of you. Yeah, well, yes, it is. When you read the scriptures, it's, what, it's like it's one of those things that when sometimes when people read have read a piece of scripture over and over and over again, you start to miss what's right obvious. in front of you. Yeah, yes, like, you miss the obvious. Um, I found that recently because I've gone back into the Gospels and started reading just the phrases of Jesus on their own. Mm-hmm. I've been doing a lot of Taze stuff. Ah, yes. yes. And some of the chants are, are, are words of Jesus mm-hmm. on their own. And, when you, and then you kind of meditate on them again and again and again. Suddenly they take on a different meaning. Um, and, and culturally... Uh, the, the sayings of Jesus um, were made in in the Syrian culture. Mm-hmm. So Jesus spoke Aramaic. Not many people know that. Uh, he he read and understood Hebrew because they they mm-hmm. gave him the scrolls and he opened it and read Isaiah, which which would be obviously Hebrew. Yeah. And he was in a Greco-Roman culture, the Greek, the Byzantian, and the, the, the Hellenistic period, and, and the Roman Empire. So mm-hmm. both were in the Middle East or in the Near East. Yeah. So, and all this area was called Syria. So there was nothing called Lebanon. Lebanon in the Bible was the mountains of Lebanon. Yes. And Jordan was the river Jordan. Yeah, there was ne- ne- never <laughs> the kingdom of Jordan like we have today. It never existed. Yeah, it was a whole different structure different, yeah, and, and different structure, yeah. divisions of, of the area. And there were the Phoenicians. I'm, I, I come from the coast of Syria, Latakia, mm-hmm. which is a port in Syria and on the Mediterranean Sea. So I grew up by the Mediterranean Sea, which was beautiful. And then I, I studied theology in Beirut, which is also on the Mediterranean Sea. Mm. But all, all that was called Syria. Simple. Mm. And what brought you to the UK and um, the Anglican Church in the UK? I came um, after a... Uh, I, was, I was studying in Germany. I was doing my PhD in Germany in mm-hmm. systematic theology. And theology, by the way, has nothing systematic about it. <laughs> I agree. <laughs> but my, my discipline was called, or is called, systematic theology. But yeah. you know, um, and and the last year, I felt I needed literature for for my PhD in English because I was writing the thesis in English, and the program itself was in German mm-hmm. because. The, I asked the, the, the university if I could 
hold something in English so that I don't lose my connection to the English language. Yeah. Because I wanted to go back to the Middle East and teach. Hmm. So, and I was going to teach in English, not in German. So, one time I felt there was nothing the university could do for me. Hmm. And, and every English book in theology um, lasted, well, I waited for a, for a month to get a, a couple of books. I mean, it was mm. very difficult. So I wrote to Cambridge, uh, uh, Westminster College, Cambridge, uh, which is the U United Reformed Church um, right. College. And I came to Cambridge on uh, sabbatical and, and I was a visiting scholar. And I had the wonderful opportunity in Cambridge to use the library and all this. All the whole, suddenly the whole world of English opened in front mm -hmm. of me. Yeah. And for my PhD was fantastic. And then Westminster College asked me to teach. Mm -hmm. And after I taught, they wanted me to, to apply for a job in Cambridge, but it didn't work because I, I at that time I was not a doctor. I was uh, a, a student. Um, so the university wanted a PhD, uh, a doctor, not, not a student. Anyway, the, the URC asked me to apply for another job in London, which is the senior chaplain to the universities in London. Right. So I did, and I got the job. So I moved from Germany to London right. to be uh, the senior chaplain to the universities and colleges in London. My mother is Greek Orthodox. She is Syrian, but she is Byzantine Orthodox, Antiochian. And my father was Syrian by denomination, was Presbyterian. Mm. It's an interesting combination, <laughs> my father and my mother, yeah. a Presbyterian and, and an Orthodox. And <clears throat> the Presbyterian church in Latakia originally was Scottish Presbyterian. Believe it or not. Wow. Wow, yes. <laughs> the missionaries that came to wow. Latakia were from Scotland. Goodness me. And so they established the Protestant, the first Protestant church in Latakia yeah. uh, on the Mediterranean Sea. And, and then the Americans uh, inherited that. And, <laughs> yeah. and now it's the Presbyterian church uh, wow. in, in, in Latakia. So that's, I grew up in. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, wonderful combination between the Orthodox heritage, which is wonderful, mm. and the, um, yeah. the Presbyterian background. So there's a rich heritage there that yes, you have. Yes, very much. You know, mm. In terms of your background, the way you grew up, and, and then where you trained. Yes, I was trained in Beirut, in, 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 yeah. uh, in Germany, in King's College London. I was a student at King's College. Yeah. Uh, it, it, it was a wonderful journey, uh, spiritually and academically to reach to that stage. But the more I left, the more I felt the time was running and I was away from Syria, the more I appreciated my culture. Right. And the more I could look back at my culture critically. Yeah. The more I appreciated and the more I could look critically on my, and analytically on my culture. The whole book, The Culture mm -hmm. of God, came from the idea that I looked back at the Syrian culture and I felt, goodness me, the Syrian culture after 2000 years is today not, not much different than right. 
from the from what Jesus lived 2000 years ago. Wow, that's fascinating. So I lived uh, uh, I grew up in the 60s and 70s um, <clears throat> in an environment not very far culturally speaking from from Jesus culture. So, yeah, and that kind of brings us to the book really. Like what I mean, you've talked a little bit how the book got birthed. What was this what was the journey and what's the book about? I mean, the, the in the book, you talk about the culture of God. There's three different areas that you mention. So, what what are those three areas? Um, um, what are they, what are they before that, that, I tell you about the three cultures. We 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 should know um, the what the the title is very simple. The culture of God. That there are two words: the culture mm. and God. <laughs> so, the basic definition of culture is the outcome, the result of a group of people yeah. interacting with each other in a certain place, in a certain time. Mm. So what is the outcome? The outcome is language, art, um, music, and, and um, um, religion, and um, uh, history, and all those things, the way we dress, the way we eat, what we call culture. This is the outcome of those people interacting with each other. Mm. Put that aside. Yeah. So, let's go to God. If we take the definition of God, according to the Christian faith, seriously, that God is Trinity. Yes. If, if, if the Trinity is the reality of God, not, not a projection, a human projection on God. If, if Trinity is God, really, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, mm. interacting with each other eternally outside the limitation of time and space, then there is this interaction between the, the, the Trinity is producing culture. Yeah, makes sense. I so it's, it's the, same, yeah. the same image, but we have no access to it. We have glimpses like the the, the creation and the, like the uh, uh, the order the order of the universe and all kinds of very uh, faint glimpses of what God is or mm. the culture of God. But to know the culture, you need somebody from that culture. Yes. So absolutely. If you yeah. want to know about the Syrian culture, you come to me. I'm from Syria. I can I can absolutely. help you. Yeah. So, who came from that culture? Christ. Mm. So, that brings us to the seriousness of the incarnation. Yeah, absolutely. So, if Jesus came from the Trinity, so he was the only one who knew firsthand that intimate culture of God and who revealed it in the Syrian culture, in his earthly culture. Yeah. So if we want to know the culture of God, the inaccessible culture of God, mm. we need to unpack the personality, the teachings, and the life of Christ. The more we unpack them in the light of the culture of the, of the place that he grew up in, the more we have glimpses yes. of the culture of God. Absolutely right, yeah. So this is the birth of the idea in my head. Right. Interesting. So the three cultures we need to, to pay attention to 
the first culture when we read the Bible I always say to the people please please be careful that the text you are reading has a culture you need to respect you can't assume that the culture of the text is your culture in the 21st century you can't it's wrong mm, I know. people often even even people who should know better actually um, even like it doesn't matter whether they're traditional evangelical Christians or they're pro more progressive Christians sometimes we can still read the Bible with the lenses of our own time it's Rather very dangerous the time that it was written and yeah I, I always say to people you need to read it in the context that it was written like, exactly who was it written to who what was it written why was it written and who wrote what was the, it yeah, who wrote it what was the agenda yeah what was why did they write it? Because what, of because of yeah them? because of because yeah. of the lack of contextual reading, we miss what we said in the in in our conversation in the beginning of our conversation. We miss the obvious. Yes. Because we take things for granted as we read, because we think at that time it was exactly like now. Yeah. For some reason, I don't know why we do that. I think it's. I don't think people do that deliberately. I think it's no, just no, a, it's no, just not an deliberately, but just yeah. Because of our cultural condition, exactly. I think it's called somebody. I think I don't know who said this. The curse of knowledge. I think something we we where we start to assimilate everything that's now, um, and we we try to we try and tra transfer that onto something which is yes. hundreds or thousands of years old, and we read it through our eyes mm -hmm. instead of through the eyes of the people at the time. Not deliberately, as you said, but it happens. Yeah, exactly. all the time. So that is the, the first culture we need to pay attention to. The second one is your own culture. When we read it, our own culture we live in. Because you can't, you can't make sense of what you are reading spiritually and it, to make it fruitful to your life if you don't know the culture you live in. The, the, the challenges, the, the, mm. the, uh, the advantages, the what kind of culture you live in, mm. uh, what, what, what the needs are, and all yeah. those things. So we need, we need to pay attention to the culture of the text, my culture, the reader, and the third culture is the culture of God, which mm. transcends both, yeah. which, take, yeah. which takes both into another, a third level. Mm which shakes us, in a way. Yeah. I, I'll give you an example. Um, yeah. The birth of the idea in my head was when I read um, over and over and over again exactly what you said now you are doing with the, with the uh, sayings of Christ. <clears throat> when, they, when the Pharisees brought him the woman caught in adultery, yeah. they were peacocks. They came and they knew they got him. Yeah, they so brought this poor woman and they looked at him and said, Now, let's see what you think. Shall we stone her or not? Yeah. So they thought, they thought they had a trap that is perfect. Mm. And they would destroy him. That, that was his, their, their, their aim. He even says that in the scripture, doesn't yeah. it? Like, because they wanted to trap him. To trap him, to, to destroy him, yeah. destroy his they reputation, his impact yeah. on the people. That's that was the the aim. So, if he had said, <clears throat> "Let her go," yeah. then it means he's breaking the law. 
Yeah. A blasphemer. Mm. If he said, stone her, so they will turn to the people and say, what's the fuss then? Mm. He's one of us. He's a Pharisee. We say also stone her. So why are you following him and making such a big fuss about him? Mm. Well, he's, after all, he's a, he's a, a, a law teacher. Yeah. So, perfect. Yeah, there's no way out. Nothing, no way out. Yeah. So when he, when he stands up after his holy silence, what I call it, a holy silence, doodling in the sand. Yeah. By the way, if you had lived in a, in a coastal city, you know what doodling in the sand means. Because there is sand everywhere. Yeah. So you, you, you just bow down and you doodle in the sand. And what's that mean? It's just listening. Oh, I, I say in the book, I, I used to have a, a dear, 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 dear friend, my childhood friend, who was a fantastic storyteller. Right. And he had a reservoir of, of stories that I adored. So I would choose the story I want to hear. I wanted to hear. And then he would tell me the story. It, it's fantastic stories. And I would listen to him and doodle in the sand. It's exactly what I did in, in, in my childhood. Right, that's what Jesus Growing up, exactly. Right, he's listening today. Yes, he was right. listening, doodling, and this is the holy silence. Giving them, all of them, the opportunity to say whatever they like. It's your chance now to tell me what you want. So mm. the Pharisees spoke, the, the, the crowd were shouting probably, put yourself in the scene. So the woman was trembling, not, she didn't know what to say, she, she was caught in, 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 the, in the act. And they gave her, he gave them the opportunity to say what they want. And then, after they pontificated and talked like peacocks, he stood up and said his incredible sentence. Mm. Who has, who has no sin, let him cast the first stone. Simply, James, this sentence doesn't belong to us. Mm. Doesn't belong to our humanity. No, none we, of us can say it, can we? No. We, can't, we couldn't have reached that. Because only somebody who had, only somebody who had the right to throw a stone could yes. say that. Yes. <laughs> and none of us would have had the right or we would have thought or had the ability to think <clears throat> to say such a sentence. This sentence doesn't simply belong to a, to a, um, a human culture. Mm. It belonged to the heart of God. Yeah. He revealed a piece of God's passion. Yeah. I, I love that story. I always love that story because it's about grace and... And, it, and because it levels everybody. Yes. And, and There's no he, divisions, boundaries. And, no and he, he, he lifted them all, the Pharisees, the crowd, and the women, to a different level of existence. And sh showed them what St. Paul says, yet another excellent way. Mm. To think, to act, and to appreciate each other. You brought this poor woman 
and you are the peacocks and you are the, the, the teachers mm -hmm. of the law and you want to um, flex your muscles with this poor lady? Mm. Well, listen then. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, th this is the culture of God, what I'm talking about. Yeah, this third, this <coughs> kind of third way of Jesus. Yes. Because he takes... The way beyond us. Yeah, he takes, he takes our, our binaries and he, he finds a different way. Totally. A third, a third way, which is beyond either of them. It's yeah. surprising, astonishing, sh um, shocking sometimes. It's incredible. It, because it, it's not us. Hmm. It's not us. It's beyond us. Beyond it's, us. It's divine. It's you know, divine. It's, yeah. Um, but he said yeah. it in a way that everybody would would uh, yes, understand. That's the, that's the you see, topic, this it? is it. He says it in our language. Yeah. And for our culture, and for every culture, and for every time. Yeah, because that is a timeless. It's a universal. Timeless, uh, truth, timeless it? because yeah. it's it's divine. Yeah. It transcends every. Yeah. All the barriers that's of the, culture and backgrounds and faith and you know you name it. That's what I love about the words of Jesus is that they somehow all transcend that. Mm. They don't belong in any category or any time. They they just transcend it. Like you can read it, um, and it will speak to you where you are. Yes. At that moment. It meets you where you are. Yeah. The the word meets you. This is, this is the whole idea of the culture of God, that that, that culture meets us wherever we are, mm. in, in our point of need, Yeah. whatever that need would be. That sounds very... F My own experiences recently, I left a uh, church that I was in um, because I wasn't able to express my faith in the way that I wanted to. And um, I kind of, it was kind of a very big, charismatic church. Mm. Um, very centralised, and I left and I joined this very small community, liturgical community, contemplative, new monastic community, where we did a lot of liturgies and chants and teze and agape meals and Eucharist. And I found that those simple liturgies, which were grounded in scripture, kind of allowed me to encounter Jesus again. Mm -hmm. You know, free of all the trappings of church and even from a religion. Just right, shooting right at the core of Jesus. And just my, my, my concern is when we replace the culture of the of God with the culture of the church. Mm, I agree completely. I, I it it um, it concerns me deeply. Wh whatever the tradition is, mm. so be, it becomes your do denomination becomes the culture of God, which is, which is really wrong. Mm. No, no church could replace the culture of God. Exactly. No, no, no culture in any church, whether you are liturgical, whether you are free, whether you are meditative, whether you are intellectual, it doesn't matter. But don't, don't allow the, what is it called, the churchianity yeah. to replace Christianity. Um, the heart of Christianity is the person. It's not the church. It's not the book. It's not an idea. It is a person. 
This is yeah. this is the whole mystery of Christianity. It's the Christ, isn't it? Because of that, I say Jesus didn't come to uh, to establish a religion. No. It is. Um, it's a crime against Christianity to call it a religion. We are not a religion. We are religion plus a lot of things. We are a philosophy plus a lot of things. We are a school of thought plus a lot of things. We are the following of the truth, which is a person. Mm. It's like the divine way to be human. Yes. This is, this is the belonging, what I talk in the book. This is what I call the belonging and, and being a citizen in the culture of God. And that don't also mix the culture of God and the kingdom of God. Mm. They are not the same. Right. So you, you practice the culture of God in the kingdom of God. That makes a lot of sense. A lot of sense. It makes sense because when you're, when you, you know, what we live in, we live in the UK. Um, so you could say the United Kingdom. <laughs> yes. And we practice, practice even, if, even though we're followers of Jesus, we still practice partly the culture of the United Kingdom. Yes. In the United yes. Kingdom. But in different the parts. The culture is not the kingdom itself. No. And it's the same with the way of Jesus. And, and also, we, we sometimes we think the kingdom of God is a place. Um, in Arabic, we have two words. Right. We have the word Mamlaka, which means United Kingdom, or the Kingdom of Jordan, or whatever. It's a kingdom, um, a, a place called Kingdom. And we have, that, that is Mamlaka. <clears throat> and we have a word called Malakut. Right. That, also, that belongs to God, which means the reign of God. Yeah. I've heard that before. We are in the Malakut of Queen Elizabeth II. It's the, right. the, the, the era. So when we talk about Malakut Allah, the, 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 the kingdom of God, it means the era when God is, the sovereignty is there. The era where God rules. Which is, it, yes, the era of God. This is the kingdom. But inside that era, we practice the culture. culture. The passion of it God. It seems so logical when you, when you talk about it like that. You know, it just seems quite obvious, you know. Um, yeah, and it's, again, it's going back to this, when we explore the original language of the scriptures, we understand what it is more. Oh yes, absolutely. So we understand that it's the—it's not just about a kingdom as we define it. It's about the era of God, mm -hmm. and it's a—it's yeah. It just gives us a and also understanding. Of it's very important to understand, and and that that we struggle a lot about in the Middle East because of the is Islamic influence. In Islam, uh, there are two very defined concepts of heaven and hell and that that starts after you die right that's islam so and and there is a, a reward and punishment you go to heaven where there 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 are 
physical pleasures and, and emotional pleasures and all kinds of pleasures, including the very, very physical, very sexual even. Why? Okay. okay. That, that is heaven. And hell is fire. It, it's it's, it's, it's a physical um, tormentation, physical suffering. And sometimes we are under that influence in the Middle East. But in Christianity, there is no sharp definition of reward and punishment and, and, and heaven and hell. Because the, the kingdom of God is not, does not start when we die. No. It starts the minute you believe in Christ. And this is the wonderful thing that I always say to, to my evangelical friends. I don't want to evangelize because I'm worried about people to go to hell. Mm. This is the wrong right. motivation. Absolutely right, yeah. So I, 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 want, I want to evangelize because I am passionate for everybody to taste the kind, the quality of life in Christ now. Yeah, that's it, that's what it's about. And then don't worry about the death and, and suffering yeah. and, and what happens in life. Don't worry about that. You, you, will be, you will be empowered to deal with it. It doesn't mean a good life and, and, and prosperous life and, and life uh, uh, full of roses. It doesn't mean that. No. But it means when life throws at you difficult times, you are empowered. Yeah. It sustains you. Yes. It? And the, the culture of God, when you are in the culture of God, you are empowered to face those difficult times. Yeah. Absolutely. It just makes so much sense. Well, the whole idea of heaven and hell never made any sense to me. Um, a God it's who too, had, too childish for me. Yes. And, and, and the way I thought about it as well was that if a human father was like that with his children saying, love me, do what I want, follow me, and you'll be happy forever. If you don't do what I want, I'm going to burn you forever. <laughs> we would put that guy in prison, you know. Um, no father would say that to, like to their, that, his children. That father would be at a child, like, I mean, I'm, I'm Oh, in, mother. You know, I'm in a child protection conference here. That, that father would be at a child protection conference, you know, at the very least, you know. And God isn't like that. No. God is a parent, whether a God in, 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 a, in, a, in an image of a father or an image of a mother, which is a wonderful image of, of yeah, God. Yeah, we do a lot of interviews yes, with, with, with mother. With mother God and female images of God. Yeah. The, some people think that image is far from, from the Middle East. Uh, actually, the Middle East is extremely matriarchal, but we are matriarchal behind a very thin veil and, mm -hmm. and um, in front of the veil is patriarchal. Yeah. So in a way, <laughs> um, my father, bless his soul, he used to say, um, I am the head of the family as long as your mother allows me to. <laughs> yeah. So he, 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 he was joking in it, uh, yeah. in, in saying that. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. actually there is a lot of truth in it. I, I grew in a, in a family that my mother made everything possible that, that my father was the head of the family. But she knew that he would not be there without her. 
And he knew that. They were both aware. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I, yeah, I'm trying. One of the things that I do a lot, people who know my, my work and um, see me on social media as well will know that I'm, I'm very passionately, I'm very passionate about bringing down patriarchy and getting mm. rid of that, and mm. especially in the church, you know, and, but in culture generally. Um, it's even more prevalent in America, I think, because it's such a evangelical culture and it's tied tied to politics and it's it's not quite the same in the UK but nevertheless you can still have it's very male orientated very patriarchal culture yes, yeah, yeah. It's, it's got to be got to, it's got that's got to end you know um, um, and it's got to be you know I, I try and empower and encourage women and, and if and we look if we look at, at yeah if, if you, you know. look if you look at the at the life of Christ he never acted as a patriarch no, he never, never acted as a patriarch. No. Jesus empowered women. I mean, uh, the first, very much so. The first woman, the first person to preach the gospel was a woman. Was a, well, <laughs> who, who, who discovered the, the resurrection was a woman. Yeah. Um, they they followed him. They they sustained him. Um, but he, as I said, the, the the Middle East is is on the surface it is patriarchal, but once you scratch beyond the surface, is very much the women's world. That's interesting. Yes. I wouldn't have known that. Yes, very much um, so. Very much so. Would know that. And, and whatever you see, this macho, patriarchal thing in, in, in the media, in, in the Middle East, and, and how, it, how the Middle East appears, actually, beyond that, is a completely different world. Interesting. Because that's, it's, it's funny because, that's how, because how the media portrays it mm. is very patriarchal. Um, you know, but that's. But I'm not saying that there is no. You, you're, you're from yeah, the Middle East, yeah. so you know better than. But I'm not talking. Western media. Yeah, but I'm not talking about the Gulf countries. Right, I see. I'm not talking about the peninsula, the Arabian Peninsula, Saudi Arabia. Right. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about the Near East, right. where Christ lived, the Near East, where at the moment Syria, Lebanon, Jordan, Palestine, and Iraq. So in in this area, I'm not talking the the, the the Gulf and the peninsula, the Arabian Peninsula is completely different culture. Right, I see. It's okay. very different. We are very much less tribal. We are family orientated, but not much less tribal. Um, mm-hmm. We 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 don't you you don't see um, a tribal. Um, um, form of life in Syria, for example, or in Lebanon, maybe a little bit in Jordan, because the, Jordan is closer yeah. to, to, the, uh, to the Gulf. But in Palestine, no. We are, yes, family-orientated, yes. And because of that, Jesus challenged family. Mm. And he said, who loves mother or father? Uh, it makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah. Then you suddenly, you see, when, again, it's another example of when you understand the culture and the context that Jesus is... It looks different. It's like, that's <laughs> why he said that. Because people maybe worshipped the idea of family yes. and put it above God. Yeah. And put it above serving God. And so he's trying to say, when he says, hate your, hate your family or hate mm-hmm. your wife or hate your yeah. whatever, he's actually just saying, don't put them above God. Yes. And I know it's like, it's in recognising that it's easy to do that mm-hmm. and that that's the culture that we live in. But God is 
above that. Mm-hmm. You know. I, when I was uh, appointed a, a, a pastor in Latakia, my hometown, yeah. there was a flat for the pastor. I couldn't mm-hmm. live in it because I was unmarried. An unmarried wow. man would must live with his parents. Goodness, wow. So I was in my 20s and I had to live with my parents and the pastor's uh, flat was empty. Goodness. So oh, when well, we need to understand yeah, the, the culture yeah, yeah, yeah. in order to go deeper in the sayings of Jesus. You can't assume that Jesus was born under Big Ben or under the Eiffel Tower. (laughs) (laughs) And and suddenly you take a a saying and you immediately throw it into your own culture and you want to make sense of it. It doesn't work all the time. Sometimes it works, but most of the times it doesn't work like this. You have to dig a little bit behind the text to see why it was written like this. What did he mean by that? Yeah. And then you apply it. Then when you apply it to your own culture, you know how the limitations, mm-hmm. you know when, where it works and where it doesn't work. Yeah. I mean, we've already, like, even just in our conversation today, we've, we've had about two or three examples of, of stories of Jesus and things that Jesus said or did that when you, when you put the culture on top of it, they suddenly make so much more sense. And you understand it better. And you understand it better, yeah, Yeah, because that's... And in the book there are a lot of examples, a lot of examples, from his life, from his encounters. Um, Well, some some you would (laughs) would shock you, how if you look at at the incident from a, 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 a Syrian perspective, it's different. Mm. Suddenly, it, it's different from anything you have heard. Anything you have heard. And I just want to throw a challenge. I'm not going through it because it, it takes time. Um, yeah. For example, the, the Syrophoenician woman. When Jesus met the Syrophoenician woman and said, it's not right to throw the bread of the, of the, of the children of Israel... Uh, to the dogs, to the mm. children, to the dogs. Why did he call her a dog? She was only a wounded woman with a a uh, a sick child, and he was he was harsh with her. If you go to all the the uh, uh, commentaries. They try to defend Jesus. But if you know the, the Syrian culture, you, you don't need to defend Jesus. You would understand the whole, the whole culture around it and why he said that and to whom he said that and who should understand what he said. Because it means something totally different. Completely like. different. So you read it on the surface and it looks like one yes. thing. Yes. But when you understand the culture and the context... Yes, it looks completely different. Yes, it's completely different. But you need to, to, to read the book. <laughs> so read the book everyone The Culture of God um, it is out now it's on um, Amazon, Amazon and, and, and everywhere and else everywhere. Um, and yeah this has been a really fascinating discussion I feel like I've learned a lot um, and I'm excited I didn't get a chance to read the book before we did the interview unfortunately but 
I will definitely be reading it now um, and excited to read it really because I just I just think it's so I've always thought it's really really important to understand the culture and the context of where Jesus lived mm-hmm. and so because then you can understand what he's saying when he's saying these things um, and we've seen today that there's a lot of examples of that so um, thank you for sharing that with us thank you James for having me and uh, 